You're listening to Scarves Around the Funnel, brought to you in association with Forrest Hepburn and McDonald Signs. Getting noticed isn't always easy, because there's so much noise! But at Forrest Hepburn and McDonald, we make it easy. With standout signs, business cards, shop fronts, banners, leaflets, vehicle graphics, the lot. Showcasing your products, advertising your brand, and getting business noticed. So, what can we do for you? Forrest Hepburn and McDonald, creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. Visit fhmcdsigns.co.uk. by Hibbs only as far as Oda left foot shot goal it's Yutaro Oda with a left foot drilled effort into the bottom right corner hello and welcome to Scarves Around the Funnel the podcast dedicated to Heart of Midlothian Football Club I started the last podcast with some words from a recent hearts song that's been sung and maybe given some of the doubts that a few of us have had over our manager including us on this podcast why not start with he's electric scored against highbies and celtic he's done things we never expected stephen naismith or the ballon d'or i am laurie dunsire that was a song that was sung for stephen naismith by hearts fans when he was playing and it has resurfaced now with him as manager and I'm joined by Mark Donaldson, who, like me, is probably eating a fully humble pie. It's not like we were completely against him, but we, we had our doubts, as many did. And, and right now, Stephen Naismith is proving to be electric. Uh, yeah, well, Hearts, his Hearts team is proving to be electric. And it's such a feel-good factor right now. And it kind of generates, or it should generate, kind of into other parts of people's lives. Because... When your team is doing well and you've got a smile on your face, it's just, it makes life so much easier. And going into games, and I was listening to the Sports Sound podcast earlier today in the car, and they, they had the interview, they replayed the interview with Lauren Shankland, and they came back to, to the guys in the studio and they were like, imagine being like that. It's like, not will I score today? It's like, what kind of goal do you think I should score today? This is, this is rarefied air for being a heart supporter and I'm loving it and I hope everyone else is as well and it's it's interesting because there's a there's a, a, a person I don't know if it's a, a, a man or a, a lady on Twitter called Gorgie Opinion now they are very pro Naismith um, and I, I, I like following them because I think it's important that you you don't always get the, the kind of whether it's cheerleading or anti your club or whatever you need a, a kind of wide range of things so there was a, a post that they put out yesterday see this Naismith redemption arc pish with folks saying they were wrong about him he's not even been in the job eight months and folk had him written off after just two months and Scott Wilson replied he said sadly we seem to have a minority of vocal self-entitled fans amongst our number who expect success immediately I often wonder what their work entails and how they would feel if their employers told them that their services were no longer required after they'd had a bad day at work. Look, bigger picture here is we're so quick to to kind of jump on something. If it's not good, we want everything changed. 
If it's good, then we wait until it's bad. If it's great, then yeah, that, that's a good weekend. Maybe Gorgia Penyon and Scotty are, are kind of sending out a message here in the, yeah, just call Canny a little bit. And a foot, being a football fan isn't just about the result one week. It's not just about a result at Airdrie and everything's fine in the garden. It's a cumulative thing. And Hearts right now are, it's, it's great. It's great to support them, even though it's from afar. But it does put a bit of an onus on us, kind of, hold on here. This this isn't just about what we thought and what we think. Now, we're allowed to change our minds, but I think credit where credit's due. When Ewan Murray changes his mind, you know you're on to something. And if he changes his mind about Naismith, then that's very unusual, and he has. Yeah, probably could have just skipped to the credit where credit's due part. Um, but we do have someone else with us who, he's always been... A big Stephen Naismith fan, I think. Haven't you, Scott McIntosh? <laughs> I was probably the most positive out of the three of us. I don't know if that I don't know if that means I was totally what you? Stephen Naismith. Yeah. Is that, is you that were, you were the most negative, Laurie. Was I? No. Oh y- yes you were. Well, I'm not quite sure no. that was. Was I think you are. I I feel like I was in between. I feel like Mark was on the. Yeah. Well, let's oh, let's not split oh, here. No, no. See it. What we're we're all allowed to be wrong. If we were, if we went through life being right with everything, it'd be boring. I I but think I think this be right is just of doing a weekly football podcast. You're always gonna. I think you're always gonna be guilty of being quite reactive to. To, to that yes. particular result or that particular weekend, or it's very difficult to probably, you know, can't really see the the woods from the trees sometimes when you're analysing games week to week, uh, and and I think that's just indicative of podcasting and and obviously being quite present on social media as well. You know, if you're someone who's active on social media, the chances are you've got a history of of bad takes uh, and and probably you know being a bit too a bit too quick to sort of jump the gun uh, i think just very quickly if you, if you think back to Stephen Naismith and probably the most impressive thing that he's done especially over the the last sort of two or three months is I, I think he's installed a a winning mentality within that squad uh, and they're winning games in different ways. Uh, there's there's been things throughout the season that he's done well, both from a, a defensive point of view at the start of the season, and and then gradually, you know, uh, becoming a better team to watch over the last few weeks. But I think you know the the runny games that we've been on the streak, and the way that we're doing it just now, it's very unhearts like to see us win so many games away from home, dispose of teams in a, in a tricky cup tie the way that we did. You know, we don't normally win those games with that uh, that sort of level of uh, comfort as well. So I think that's probably what he deserves the, the biggest kudos for just now. Uh, he's doing a very good job and long may it continue. Right, Naismith hater, what have we got on the show this week? Come on I was, I, was, <laughs> I was just going to say with the numbers that you're talking about, Scott, yeah, Hearts put out a tweet earlier today at the time of recording, which was Monday, saying 12 away wins so far in all competitions, the most since 91-92, uh, seven straight wins in all competitions, uh, the most since 1819, then 05-06, 11 games unbeaten in all competitions, the most since 2017-2018, and this is all based on seasons in the top flight, so certainly... The numbers are very just impressive hope, just now. 
yeah, I just hope that this current crop fall on better for those three <laughs> runs because if you if you look at 91, 92, we didn't have a very good sort of two or three years after that. 18, 19, we know how the, the next 18 months went there. And then 05, 06, we kind of were very, you know, middle to average for a good few years after that. So hopefully this is a run that we can sort of sustain in terms of turning it into something, you know, not legacy, but something a bit more long-term uh, for both the club and the manager. I think that's a really good point. This should be the start of something. Take it as a bigger picture. This season, probably since the, 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 the turnaround in fortunes, if we can secure third spot by a decent amount, maybe bleed some youngsters into the, the, the team, um, hopefully get to a cup final and, and potentially win it. I think we now have a coach with a mentality of, yeah, okay, but. And when I say that, I mean, right, that's decent, but we, we could still be better. Everything has to be better, and, and I like that. I like that mentality. And that's a mentality that we're, we're seeing as a result of of weeks and, and months of good and, and bad results. Um, and I think it, it, it kind of mirrors him as a player. And that we shouldn't just accept third as, yeah, job done for this season. Now, I was listening to the Heart Standard podcast and Joel Sked put a cheeky little question into Naismith at the press conference on Friday. Is it about time that Hearts started looking up the way and trying to see how far it is and what needs to be done to catch those above rather than below? And, and Stephen Naismith, was, he was refusing to, to uh, bite at the bait that Fisherman Sked had dangled in the uh, the gorgy waters, um, but 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 I un I understand um, totally why Joe was asking it. But I like the fact from Naismith privately is thinking, damn right, th third shouldn't be the be all and end all. It should be a disappointing season for Hearts if they don't finish third or win a trophy. And I like the fact we have that. But this should be something that, as Scott said, it's not like the three previous times that we've been on a run like this. This should be something that is is setting standards, and that glass ceiling should be smashed through. And it's about what we can do now, but we have to not forget that we have to keep doing what we're doing to maintain those standards. So I think it's a good point. It is, but I won't get I won't get Scott started on people having conversations prematurely about um, looking ahead and being comfortable in third and what transpires after. Is it after uh, before we we crack on with? <laughs> Before we crack on with uh, the games, obviously some news that ca that came out. A couple of contracts actually, two ends of the scale. We've got young Macaulay mm. Tate signing a long term deal with the club, very promising teenager, and forty one year old Craig Gordon signing a new one year deal. News broken by the no, not by the Hearts official uh, Twitter, no, by yeah. Mark Donaldson. Oh, it was the Hearts official Twitter that broke it. I just, I, as, as someone suggested, I just have man love for Craig Gordon. I just wanted to put that um, that gif out of, of him smiling. It just was coincidental that a couple of hours later, he, he it was announced that he put pen to paper. It's just, just coincidences happen in this world. It's a scurrilous allegation to suggest anything else. But he's staying and I'm delighted. Good news and unfinished business, I think, for Mr. Oh, Gordon yes. still. Oh, yes, he has. He has got. He's. You know what he's like. I mean, how many times in that group chat have I, I said to you or whatever, or tried to speak to Davy or 
those in Volvo Hearts Heritage or London Hearts, oh, he's, he, here he comes again. He's after the the next milestone that that he wants. He wants to be the oldest Scottish international. He wants to be every time he plays, he's the oldest Hearts player. Um, but he wants to he, he wants to win a trophy and be he, he wants to do things that will never be beaten, and that means playing longer. And that's it's just you're not going to give him a two year deal, but it wouldn't surprise me at the end of next season or towards the end of next season he signs another year deal because he's got no intention whatsoever of hanging up those gloves. He's he's missed a year of football and he wishes to add that on at the end, I, I would think, uh, as long as his body allows. And the other player signing on, as I mentioned, sort of other end of the scale, 18-year-old Macaulay Tate uh, signed up until 2028. And great news as well, isn't it, Scott? Someone who we've got high hopes for uh, six appearances now in the senior team but just he's got something about him doesn't he yeah yeah I love watching him play uh, always has his head up and you know just can receive the ball just the right way just body positioning opening his body up so that he's straight away playing the ball on uh, just a, a great player uh, really looking forward to seeing how we how we integrate him into the side over the coming months because it's it's not an area of the park that we're struggling for numbers. Uh, so he is going to have to you know keep on performing well whenever he is involved with the with the B team and and you know when he's getting these little 10, 15 minute cameos, make sure that he shows up well as well. But um, you know so far it's it's been nothing but positive and hopefully we can start to see him. Maybe if we can consolidate Ford leading into the running it might be an opportunity to maybe start giving them some uh, some more minutes from the start as well. Isn't it weird to think, Laurie, that Macaulay Tate was born when George Burley's reign as Hearts manager was already underway? I mean, you you just yeah, forget. I told, I, told, I told Craig that. I was like, if you mentioned to Macaulay that the day he was born, you were pulling off one of your best ever saves against Motherwell at Tynecastle. Just, wow. just to make him feel old. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah. That's what I mean. Two yeah, different eras, but both with um, both with lots still to contribute at heart of Midlothian. Uh, we will talk about some football very soon. We'll, we'll briefly touch upon St Johnson against Hearts. Unfortunately, Ryan McGowan's ducked out of this one, so we can't have as much fun with that as we would have liked. And we will have a bit more focus on the cup, especially the victory for Hearts away to Airdrionians. And we might have time for a little look ahead to the Motherwell game in the league and maybe throw a little topic out there. We'll see how that one goes on this week's episode. You're listening to Scarves the Round the Funnel, sponsored by Forrest Hepburn and McDonald Signs, who have been offering creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. The 1950s, that was the last time <laughs> that a Hearts player got to 50 goals quicker than Lawrence Shankland. It was Willie Bald who did oh. it. Lawrence Shankland, only ninth quickest actually, which before Davey Allen very kindly sent me all the stats, I would have, I would have assumed he would have been higher up. But I guess in the old days of football, there were a lot more goals. Well, they had two defenders. They played a 2 3 5. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, for comparison, though, a more modern day comparison, I thought it was quite useful. So, Lauren Shanklin got 50 goals in 79 games. John Robertson took 102 matches 
to get to that total. Yeah, Rob, Robbo came into the team as a as a youngster, though. So yeah, I know, but just, just Best comparison. It's our comparison, though. I mean, no one's done we it. We had a season in the first division as well, though, Mark. So there's that. There's that. There is uh, that. Throw in there. Thank you, Scott. There's always some context. Both ways. <laughs> <laughs> I've had a busy day. I've been up since 5.30. Don't pick on me. Right. So Johnson against Hearts. Very briefly, we'll talk about this one. Um, I, I, the kind of the game we expected, and I'm going to give you some kudos here, Mark. I don't know if you recall, but I am pretty certain you got the scorer and score correct in this one. So Johnson nil, yeah. Hearts won, and you said Shanklin on the score sheet. And it was always going to be that sort of game, wasn't it? A tight one, mm. a typically solid Craig Levine side. And the first half sort of summed up, didn't it? Both sides just completely cancelled each other out. So do you know how the last couple of weeks have been nice to you? And I've given you credit when you've made predictions, even though you said you thought Shankly would score two and he only got one. I said you could still have it. I was beginning to think, wonder if he'll chalk this off for me, because I said 1-0, but Shanklin first half. And thank oh, you. I didn't for, remember that bit. Well, okay, and I didn't say that then. Um, the first half was grim. It, it really was. And we, we kind of knew probably what was going to happen. There weren't many opportunities. Um, but yeah, and, and it didn't take long in the second half. And I'm, I'm actually glad, and I know I'm quickly going ahead, I'm glad we scored in the first half against Airdrie because the longer this went on, it, it, it was becoming impossible to know why we weren't scoring in the first half of games. In this one, we didn't look like scoring, and neither did they. It was a grim first half. It certainly was, but the second half was better for Hearts, and the breakthrough came almost 10 minutes into the second period. Frankie Kent flipping a ball over the top. And this is a difference. We I said it against Dundee in terms of we had uh, Robinson for Dundee missing an easy chance to put them 3-2 up, and at the other end, Lawrence Shankland has a much more difficult chance and manages to carve out a chance and hit the ball into the bottom left corner to win it for Hearts. And this, Scott, is probably another example of how important it is to have someone with his quality leading the line because it's not even a half chance when that ball comes over the top, is it? No, no, definitely not. I mean, at that stage... You're not, you know, you're not banking on him being able to fashion a, a chance for himself, and that's that's really where his games came on this season. You know, if you think back to a lot of the goals he scored last season, I know he had the the tag from any non-Hearts fan of being a, a bit of a penalty merchant. Yeah, and the other goals apart from the penalties tended to be, you know, in between the posts, getting good ammunition from the likes, say, sort of Janelli and Mackay, who were still heavily involved in the team last season as well, whereas this season he has having to fashion a lot of his own chances. And Wednesday was another example of that. You know, he, he kind of bodies Considine really well without giving away a free kick. And then he manages to just sort of nip in there ahead of Gowser and, and takes his time with the finish as well. So it was a, a great goal. And, and again, another example of him just being that difference maker when it's, it's fine margins and, and, and some of our ties. I think he's added that strength to his game, Scott, has he not? Because I don't recall him last season having that wherewithal and that nous to deal with defenders as effectively and as efficiently as he's doing, was that potentially because he, he didn't quite have the strength that he seems to have, have built up? I, f I, think he, I think he did have it last season. I think the reason why we're seeing it a little bit more now is because we are 
we're mixing up our game a little bit more now than maybe we were at points last year. And we maybe are going a little bit more back to front. So there is more sort of opportunities for him to maybe sort of throw his weight about, so to speak. Uh, and, and I think you're seeing a bit more of that. But I think he did have that in his locker last year. It maybe just wasn't a part of his game that we were mm. really relying upon yeah. in the same way that we are now. And Mr McGowan sent for a bit of a taxi, which is... Maybe why he's not on the the podcast. We'll let him off, won't we? It's harsh. I mean, he's 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 done Considine, and then he's he's done Ryan. I, I think he would have done most. I, I just, I, I've never been in that position. None of the three of us have. When when you just you just feel like you're you're untouchable. You just feel that you you don't even think about it. It's just instinct. You just know what to do, and at times he's unplayable. And for us, Hearts, to have someone who's unplayable and is in this form, what do you say, 79 goal, uh, seventy-nine games and 50 goals? I mean, well, come yeah. on. And now, we're, now, now, it's, now it's 52 uh, and 80. Of course, uh, yeah. But we'll we'll get to that. But no, I'm, I'm, I'm just jesting. I actually thought uh, McGowan and, and Constantine were very solid. Yeah, On the yeah. most part, albeit he very nearly got himself in trouble for a bit of silliness when... When he thought that Vargas was clearly off and decided to, oh, oh, oh. he didn't rash. know the laws of the game. Most of the players don't. That's the problem. It's. Oh, I'm not, I'll get away with anything I want. I'll just batter fuck out of this boy because the whistle's got. Well, the whistle hadn't gone. I'll be outside. Let's, just, I'll be let's right. just say um, maybe a certain a certain dive from a, a certain player. At, Tynecastle, the last time the sides met, was maybe still on the mind of our Australian <laughs> friend. Um, He's suggesting he doesn't forget things. I'm suggesting exactly that, yes. But anyway, we'll we move on because Hearts, Hearts won the game, putting themselves 12 points clear of Kilmarnock who are in fourth and sitting now closer to second place Rangers. So a nice victory again for the men in Maroon. Okay, next up, let's move on and, and talk cup action. Before, before we talk action on the pitch, we're going to talk about the fact that we had the draw, which strangely is pre-game, but I understand this is because of scheduling concerns uh, with the potential for extra time and penalties now in these cup games. So I think they were worried about putting it as... A post-game draw, and then sure, call the midwife could have been pushed back an hour. Yeah, I mean, yeah, whatever was on after, I'm sure <laughs> pushed back anyway, ten years. But they they did the draw beforehand, um, and I always find it funny when they do a practice draw. And in the practice draw, it was Hearts and Midlothian at home to Aberdeen. Was in it the quarterfinal? Yes, mm-hmm. that was the practice draw. But. Uh, and I never like knowing the practice draw because I always feel like I'm going to be really annoyed if the practice draw is like considerably better for you than the actual draw. You know, you get you get home to some second division team in the practice draw and you get away to Celtic in the actual draw. But anyway, they always do a practice run in these things these days. So uh, the actual draw was made and first out the hat Morton, second out the hat Hearts. How do we feel about this one? Pretty good, I think. Obviously, at the time of the draw, it was still an Airdrionians or Heart of Midlothian. We'll get to the game in a moment. But draw being made, even before we knew that Hearts were through, obviously we were quite confident, optimistic that that would be the case. 
with Rangers and Celtic both in the hat, I think getting the championship side in there is not a bad thing. Yeah, couldn't have asked for much more. Maybe Livy at home. Um, the, uh, you and I and Scott were talking before we came on air here and the pitch is, is the big issue. And Scott can explain how our game might have to, to alter slightly our style of play. Um, but I'm sure a lot of people listening to this watched their game against Motherwell. And maybe it was a false dawn for Motherwell beating Ross County 5-0 because that was obviously Derek Adams' last game. And I, I think we could find eight listeners and plus the maybe seven listeners plus the four of us, including Ryan, and we would have probably had a chance of beating Ross County that night. So maybe it was a false dawn and the Motherwell players thought they were something they weren't and, and they got turned over. So, yeah, it's, it, it's going to be a fight. They, they're in, what, 13 unbeaten, I think, which is a great run of form. Um, and it'll, it'll be tough, but if Hearts are as professional as they were against Airdrie, I would like to think we're through, or we would get through, sorry, to the, the semi-finals. And I like the way the other ties panned out as well. I think that that's very helpful for Hearts' quest to not only finish third, that's only half the, the, the job done. Uh, the other half of the, the job is to either win the cup or uh, to play against Rangers or Celtic in the final, or Celtic or Rangers winning the cup and us finishing third. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy all round. If you offered me a redo right now, I would say no thank you. Yeah, 10 wins and three draws in Morton's last 13 games. So a very good run, which has them in a, a decent position for the playoffs right now, sitting in fourth spot. Yeah, I'm, I really don't like this. And I said it last season as well, When even when we'd lost third place. I hate this cup trumps league placing for yeah, the... European groups because I think obviously for a group representative for your country should be the decide who's the third best in the country over a, the course of a season. Obviously if Inverness had caught Celtic on a terrible day at the end of last season then Inverness would have potentially trumped Aberdeen into the groups and while that would have been highly amusing for us <laughs> uh, it would have been a bit silly but it, it, I never like this conundrum I don't know what you think about it Scott where I feel like Obviously, I want Hearts to get the best draws and potentially get the chance of winning the Cup, but Hearty also doesn't want Celtic and Rangers to go out because then if you go out, you're potentially saying goodbye to group stage football. Yeah, it's. I think the good thing about this year is I, I sort of feel like with it with the consistency that we've got, added to the fact that we you know we we don't seem to be. Uh, you know, struggling with travel sickness as a club just now. You know, we seem to be winning most venues that we're going to. We've won at Parkhead, we've won at Easter Road. We, we really should have got a, a result at, at Ibrox earlier in the season as well. So there's, there's, there shouldn't be that same sort of fear factor, although we should still always respect the old firm as being the two biggest and best clubs in the country. So I'm not as fixated with it as I maybe have been over previous seasons uh, but I think you're right to make the point about Cali last year you know short term it would have been a laugh but it is damaging to the coefficient if you've got teams who are you know entering the latter stages representing Scotland based on what they've done over five games in a four month period rather than you know 38 games over a, an eight month period so when you when you discuss it in that context it does sound pretty pretty stupid that you know the the cup winners are the ones who kind of get the bigger prize. But winning a know. cup should be prize in itself as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you don't you don't feel like the drive to win a cup should be. Obviously, I think they should qualify for Europe, but you know, 
you're winning a cup. You know, when you when you think back to 98 or 2006 or 2012, you don't think back and go, oh, remember the season that we've qualified for Europe because we won the cup? You know, you think about about winning the cup. It's silverware. It's the ultimate goal, isn't it? So, yeah, I, I, I get you maybe want to incentivise, but I don't think in Scotland, you know, in England almost, I feel like they've, they needed to maybe give the FA Cup a bit of a boost because it was maybe starting to really pale in significance to the the Premier League and they were playing a lot of top flight teams who are battling in European fronts and doing well in the league were just treating it as a second string competition but in Scotland I don't feel like it's ever had that air I feel like it's always had quite an importance even for Rangers and Celtic which shows in the amount of times they still win it yeah we we don't have the same the same issues trying to compete with the the financial muscle that that league football can bring down south with the you know you've got your parachute payments getting relegated down to the championship then obviously you've got the the prize of you know if you if you get up from the championship to the premiership and all the the revenue that that brings which is why you see so many teams i think even recently you had the the example with Ipswich against Maidstone where Ipswich fielded an understrength team at home to Maidstone because they're thinking about potentially getting playoffs and, and, and maybe getting up into the Premiership. So that's that's where their priority is because they don't foresee themselves getting a an extended run in the Cup anyway. So I, f- I think that's one of the things that benefits our Cup competitions. We don't have the the sort of financial jeopardy uh, in terms of... I mean, there still is in terms of relegation and, and promotion, but not not to the same extent. You know, a club could get relegated, for example, Livingston, and they could probably recoup the money they lose through that if they already won the Scottish Cup. So it's it's not got the same sort of... Uh, the, the the same sort of consequence to it, and I think that's something which hopefully will continue because it it means that our, our our Scottish Cup especially hasn't been devalued the same way that the FA Cup has been. I think Hearts would have been playing European football in 1995-96 had Celtic have beaten Wraith Rovers at Ibrox in the Coca-Cola League Cup final at the end of November. I'm pretty sure that because Wraith back then that got them into Europe and they had a good run. But I'm pretty sure, Scott, that that was a result. If Celtic had won it, then Hearts would have ended up playing European competition 95-96, which we ended up doing the following season when I think we played Red Star, but we would have been in, except Wraith Rovers got there because they won that. So thankfully they've done away with that. Um, I can't remember how many years ago it was where they changed the rules in Scottish football that you had to win the competition and getting to the final wasn't enough. I think Dunfermline benefited from it. Uh, they might have been one of the last to do so, to get into to Europe without having to win the cup, but playing a team that was already yeah, that qualified. Was, that was uh yeah, that was a nonsense when you're a runner up getting in. I I'm not yeah, I'm not against a cup winner getting into Europe. I think it's when you talk about you know, we what, two Champions League places just now and our first Europa League place is going to the cup winner. I think that's where you maybe think, well, that probably has more importance than than the cup winner, but anyway, yeah, it, but it's, but it's, it's been, it's it's been done. It's but it's being done. Um, not not all leagues have are basically a two horse race, and and everyone else is playing for third. That's it's kind of a bit of an anomaly in Scottish football. But we can, but know. it's up to us. You know, we distribute them. So Scotland it is. I mean, it doesn't have to be. Mm-hmm. So anyway, anyway, the draw has been made. Um, but that was before the actual action on the park got underway.
Ernest Hepburn and McDonald have been making creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. For more, visit fhmcdsigns.co.uk. Newenhoff trying to burst forward. Forrest parts working to the left now. Cochran into the box. Cochran low across the area. Not in! And who else but Lawrence Shankland? 51 goals and counting. A flowing hearts moved and finished emphatically for goal number 22 of the season. Lawrence Shankland. Hearts have possession with Craig Halkett. Goes to the long diagonal, looking for Vargas. Takes it down in the box. Keeper comes out, blocks it. It's coming Vargas with a bit of fortune about the final finish. It's a terrific ball from Craig Halkett, though, to pick him out in behind. The keeper blocked it, but it ricochets back off the Costa Rican. And he makes it 2-2 two two in the Scottish Cup this campaign for Hearts. And it's now Adrianians nil. Hearts and Midlothian to Grant. Newenhoff driving forward on the right Newenhoff still going edge of the area still going left foot shot it's in Hearts are coasting Callum Newenhoff with a left foot drive into the bottom right corner and with less than a quarter of this game played Hearts have found themselves three in front and it's a fine finish again from Callum Newenhoff second of the season second for Hearts Airdronians nil, Hart and Midlothian three. Hancock curls across in, decent one header towards goal, and it's into the bottom corner. And it's Adam Frizzell, and Airdrie do have the goal back. It's a lovely ball from Hancock from the left. And it's a man who scored against Hearts for Killy back in 2017 when he was a teenager, takes the header well, it's first of the season. And it's Airdrionians one, Hart and Midlothian three. Here's Scott Fraser, unknown Charlton player, third appearance since joining on loan till the end of the season here he is now, Scott Fraser slides it through Shanklin, I think he's kept himself on Shanklin digs the goalkeeper 52 and counting a delicate chip he's got an awesome repertoire of goals Lawrence Shanklin prolific, fantastic and it's Airdrionians 1 hard to below the end at 4 and I think that will most likely send Hearts into the last 8 so, Airdrionians against Heart of Midlothian. For those of a certain vintage, a cup draw that sends shivers down the spine. Thankfully, in the modern era, not so much. But looking at the game, what you did have here was a Hearts team that certainly were giving the championship side all the respect they deserved because they're a side on very good form themselves. Seven unbeaten going into this game. And under Reese McCabe, team playing some decent football as well three changes from the St Johnson game uh, Clark Kent and Fraser going out I know Mark wants me to keep those two surnames together just for Bantz and in comes Gordon Halkett and Grant and Hearts with a slightly tweaked shape Gordon and goals, Lembekisa right, Cochrane left the only survivor of the last time these two sides met competitively, Craig Halkett. In terms of playing, Stephen Naismith did play in that. Now a coach, Craig Halkett alongside Stephen Kingsley at the back. Newenhoff, Benny Beningame, George Grant in midfield. Vargas, Shanklin, Forrest attacking. But Shanklin given um, license to drop off a little bit. So kind of the idea, I think, with this would almost be a diamond 
against the Diamonds at times. So Benny sitting, Shanklin then sitting a little bit just to to change the shape and leave Vargas and Forrest, Forrest with more room to, to run in behind. Uh, Hearts got off to a flyer in this one. Certainly the first quarter of the game especially. 11th minute, great flowing move. And Lawrence Shanklin with 23rd of the season. I think I shouted 22. Such a significant Hearts number. But just like the Hearts Twitter has also got it wrong. We're losing count. He gets so many goals. But it was a really nice move, wasn't it, Mark? Brilliant move. Brilliant move. And the, the, the fact that we got the goal. Was it our first shot on target? Was there a shot before that? Um, I can't remember. Help me out here. Was that our first attempt on goal? I, I think it might have been, but if if not, then no, it was at most second. Yeah, but I've not got it in front of me. There was, yeah, there was nothing that, that springs to mind, and, and and it was a it was a really really good goal, um, from from Lauren Shankland. And there's also the when the ball hit the back of the net and the assistant ran back to halfway, freedom of yes, we can celebrate now without VAR. That was another thing. So you knew that once Shankland had scored. Lino had gone back to halfway with all the goals. That it, it was just a really nice way to start and a well worked move. Um, and and for for Shankland, um, was correct me if I'm wrong. I know it's, it's been less than 24 hours. Was that the goal that he started with the back heel, or was that another one? He was involved. He was yes. involved dropping in deep. his own half. Yeah, yeah. So that he he wanted that in in his interview on sports scene. He wanted that that mentioned. That they they actually showed him the goal, and he, his first thought after seeing the goal was, "Oh, you missed my back heel." But that was just to point out, and you mentioned that, but I'm playing slightly deeper. That was him pointing out, "Look, I started this, and look how quickly I got forward." People say I've got no pace, and it was just a really well worked move. And it, first touch football width runners into the box. I think it was George Grant that maybe either didn't get there or the ball was played just behind him and then Shanklin scores. That was probably the goal that would have pleased Stephen Naismith the most in this game because of it, it's what they'll have worked on. They don't always come off. This one did. It was a super start um, and a super goal to get off the mark with. Yeah, terrific atmosphere as well. 4,300 Hearts fans through there, which I thought was a really, really impressive turnout for a Sunday 5pm game, which is live on the BBC as well. And they made a great noise and full credit to the Gorgie Ultra, as we mentioned, the Stephen Naismith number doing the rounds, but they were they were out in force and it was a great atmosphere and Hearts made it 2-0 seven minutes later. And Craig Calgut looked a bit shaky, didn't he, Scott, in this one at times before he went off, but Great range of passing with that ball to pick out Vargas, put him through one on one. Yeah, I mean he's he's still showing the the effects of someone who's who's spent a considerable time out of the picture, and you know uh, he's he's obviously been brought back into the fold, but then he's he's missed the last couple of games as well. He's been sitting on the bench, so that isn't really going to help in terms of getting his sharpness back up. So you're 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 probably still going to see those slack moments, similar to what you saw uh, during the first sort of ten minutes yesterday. But it was a great. You know, it's a great pass for Vargas. A really good run as well. Uh, he does really well to sort of, you know, hold his line. It can be so easy for players, even players that 
I've got considerable pace to just, you know, take that step too soon. Uh, but it was a, it was a great run, uh, and he fully deserved a bit of luck he got as well. You know, the goalkeeper was brave and coming off his line and meeting him, but unfortunately for him, you know, the the ricochet worked in our favour, thankfully. Are we starting to see, Scott, with the Frankie Kent through ball for Lauren Shankland in Perth and the Craig Halkett delivery for Kenneth Vargas in Airdrie, are we starting to see players a bit more comfortable with what Stephen Naismith is trying to do? And it's not always short passes, short passes, movement, sometimes mixing up a little bit if the pass is on. Is that something you've noticed? I think... For me, I think they know that they've got that option now. Now that Vargas and Forrest are becoming a bit more of a, a first-team fixture on a week-to-week -week basis, because we've got those options now of being able to get players who can run off the shoulders of the last man, with Shankland dropping deep, I, I think we can now sort of play that ball. We didn't really have that option uh, up until around sort of November, December, because you know, Boyce was heavily figured. Tagala was struggling to make an impression as well. So I think this has just been borne out the fact that we've now got the personnel to sort of make it work. And also, we were playing against a team that, unfortunately for them, I, I don't think particularly work on the defensive aspect of their game. I think Airdrie's strong point defensively is keeping the ball. If you look at Airdrie's possession stats in, in the championship, they get a lot of 1-0 wins, not because they're a a stuffy or resolute team defensively it's because they know how to keep the ball and they keep possession well in their own league but you could see even with the first goal nobody's tracking the runners like Shanklin runs past about three Airdrie players to, to, to get onto that that Cochrane pass so it was a good game to sort of take take advantage of, of those options that we had but fair play to Halkett he's still got to play the ball and it's a it reminds me I, I'm a Spurs fan so I always remember back to a period where Toby Alderweireld used to play that ball pretty much on a, a weekly basis for Delhi Alley to run onto, uh, and it was kind of similar to that kind of run and, and pass. So it was really nice to see, and again, he, he deserved the luck for the for the run alone. Yeah, and Kenneth Vargas benefiting from not having a an Aussie bearing down on him and taking him out this time when he got played through on goal and a bit of luck in the final finish, but over the line and they all count. Three minutes later, Hearts trebled their lead and it wasn't Aussie on the score sheet. A fine finish from someone who Marcus starting to show that he has got a bit of quality about him. We've Another one we've obviously had doubts with and he hasn't maybe quite settled in, but he performed really well and obviously man of the match on Saturday, despite Shanklin getting two goals. We started this podcast talking about Stephen Naismith and patience and and, and how some of us had written him off at the start. And I think a lot of people had written Callum Neuenhoff off um, at the start. Now, that was a very composed display. This is a kid who's, and I say kid, and I, I mean that he was, he's 22 years old. Or what, 20, he's just turned 20, no, he's 22. He doesn't turn 23 um, until next week. And he's he's come from another not just another country, but he's, he's come halfway around the world to play in a team that when he first got a chance, we're like, what is he? And we've said that. We're, we're not rewriting history. You can listen to any of any of the podcasts that we've said um, about Callum Neuenhoff. Maybe this is a lesson for us just to kind of be patient. Um, people need time to adjust. Some adjust quicker 
Um, Callum Newenhorst has maybe taken a bit of time. Some just need a run of games. George Grant may or may not be what we're looking for um, with a run, run of games. People think, a lot of people think, eh, I'm still not convinced. And and that's what Callum Newenhoff's got. But on that left foot from the edge of the box, decent. But he just, he's got this composure, which we're starting to see that he didn't have for for periods when he when he began. But he, he wasn't playing that much. And it was a really good goal from Newenhoff. And I really liked his post-match interview as well on the BBC, and he just said he's he's feeling settled now. Um, who was the kid that that, that we had um, on loan, guys, during COVID? And he he, he just didn't settle at all. Um, don't know if he went to Motherwell. It wasn't... Elliot, uh, we had Elliot Freer, but he wasn't on loan. Yeah, there was another one, wasn't... Uh, uh, Gordon uh, Roberts? Yes. Yeah. Just, just, just couldn't settle. Um, and he couldn't go out and whatever. It's, you see Callum Newenhoff, you, you see all the social media posts and whatever. It just seems to be a squad that everybody's everybody's part of it and, and enjoys each other's company. And there's a bit of piss, piss taken, of course. That's the way it should be. It's like, at, at least with, with a football squad now, everyone's, everyone's back. It's not like us. I don't know what it's like back in Scotland here, but certainly at ESPN, I hardly see any of my colleagues. We do a lot of games where I'm not even with the person um, that I'm commentating with, uh, whoever that may be. They, they might be in a different country. So you don't have that that kind of banter. You don't go out for nights out. But it just seems the Heart squad has is, is got that right now. And and Neuenhoff is, is beginning to be a lot more important than the, we thought he might be when, when most of us wrote him off a few months ago. Big Halkett went off five minutes after this. An issue with his knee, Stephen Naismith, saying unclear how serious yet, but... We're hoping that isn't anything major, but obviously worries with Halkett given his recent injury history. But Kai Rolls made his return, having been away at the Asian Cup with Australia. And Nathaniel Atkinson would come on later on as well to make his return to the Hearts team. Before then, a Hancock cross found Adam Frizzell, the Airdrie captain, to nod a goal back with 11 minutes to go in the first half. But second half... (laughs) Didn't really ever feel like a dramatic comeback would be on. And with 17 minutes left to the 98, substitute Scott Fraser slipped the ball through and Lawrence Shankland sent a delicate dink over the goalkeeper to make it 24 goals for the season. 25 if you include one he's got for Scotland as well and 13 goals in 11 matches. And really, guys, it was just a a thoroughly professional job, wasn't it? In a game that could in other circumstances, have been a, a potential banana skin, and it has been in the past. Just a, a game, Scott, where with the way we're playing, I wasn't as anywhere near as worried as, as as I might have been if we'd gone into that struggling for form. Um, and I think I think Stephen Naismith showed with his team selection, taking the game seriously, he, he's desperate to win a trophy, um, showing the competition, the respect, having the momentum of, of that. But I, I think it just... We just have that thing right now, whatever that thing is, that we're going into games expecting to win if it's not against Rangers or Celtic. And it's been a while since we had that. It has. And it's served us well at the moment because hearts march on into the last eight of the Scottish Cup. Okay, very briefly, we've seen plenty of of hearts' goals recently. Different celebrations, some more interesting than others. I saw Vargas was doing the the goggles celebration. 
Is that I don't know what you call it. I'm not cool enough these days, but you see different celebrations from different players. I, the reason I, I mentioned celebrations was actually something separate. I sent you guys this earlier today. Um, in the Asian Cup final, Qatar defeated Jordan, and the player that scored a hat trick, Akram Afif, uh, does a certain celebration, which is actually a magic trick. So he pulls a card out, and it's like a it's a trading card of him, I think, and he does a quick hand movement, and it turns turns into the letter S. Uh, so magic tricks as a, a celebration, a bit interesting. But it got me thinking about hearts players celebrating, and I just put this out there, and I know Scott very quickly did quite a bit of work on this, um, more than I expected, a lot more than I have. But I, I'm glad you did because it's it's sometimes quite interesting to think back because you know we can think of very iconic celebrations of big moments and from big hearts players. But there's been a lot down the years that maybe we sometimes forget as well. Yeah, I, I, I tend to sort of uh, think back to the the sort of funny the funny aspects of the the goal celebration and you know whether that's been in our favour or against us. It, like you say, there's the iconic ones. You know, there's. Fozzie on the fence and there's, you know, Jose Katongo against Celtic and that, but there, there was a couple that sort of stood out to me as, as soon as you sort of mentioned it earlier. Uh, one of the ones that I remember was Steve Fulton at Rugby Park. Uh, it was actually, yeah. would have been Craig Levine's second game in charge. Fulton puts us in, in the lead and obviously, you know, those days he, he got quite a lot of stick. I mean, there was the famous incident at Easter Road where he got, he got booked uh, for for basically Hibs fans telling him he was ugly for 45 minutes. Uh, but this time it was it was with his weight and as soon as he scored, he kind of just lifted his shirt up a little bit and sort of slapped his belly in front of the Killy fans. So that was that's one of the ones that I always kind of fondly remember. Uh, and he, he, there's other funny ones. I mean, obviously, Big Dave's sort of drive-by shooting uh, sort of incident at Easter Road. Oh, and not McPherson. Yes, uh, he, he sort of just <laughs> seems to forget where he's going, you know, he, he, he just about reaches the halfway line, realises he's not even went anywhere near the Hearts fans, so decides to run all the way back round past the, uh, past the West Stand as well, towards the, the few hundred of us that were fortunate to be there that day. The other one was a more recent one, it was actually Jamie Walker uh, at Parkhead, this would have been 2016. And he, he puts us in the lead pretty early on that day. Yeah. And he goes to do a sort of, just a standard sort of knee slide that, that you see most six-year-olds can sort of master uh, in front of the Celtic. Uh, and and he, he manages to sort of fall, uh, which raises a bit of a chuckle from the, the home fans. But yeah, I'll, I'll let you guys come up with a, a few more examples before I, before I take it over. <laughs> it's funny what's you're your talking about. What's your favourite one, Laurie? My favourite one? Yeah. Um... To, to, I mean, I've got to say, Jimmy, Jimmy's dance at Patoji with, with Scott Crabb, obviously, <laughs> since he's my my pal and co-commentator. One that one that jumps out to me that I liked, and I actually found something out about it that I didn't previously know, according to the internet anyway, if I rely on that, and you can't always, but I think I've definitely mentioned this at some point, Ricardo Fuller does a 10-pin bowling ball style celebration. It's in the, the game that he scores the famous goal against Motherwell. But this is his first goal in the game, the diving header to level things. Mm -hmm. So he scores a diving header and then he runs across um, and in front of the, the Hearts fans acts like he's just throwing a strike. But I found it, it posted on Kickback years ago. So um, no reason for someone to make this up. But apparently, according to this, he'd met a young lad before the game who was having his birthday party 
a ten-pin bowling place, and the young boy asked Fuller to score a goal for him for his birthday, and in doing so, then Fuller did that for the young, the youngster was ah, having his, his birthday. Nice story. Um, so someone on Kickback said they'd read this in an interview in the match program. I've got no reason to doubt them, and it's not the type of thing that you'd make up because it's not, it's not controversial or, or anything. But I quite like that because I'd never, I'd never mm-hmm. heard that story before. So when I was trying to look out some information on some some celebrations, that that stood out for me from Ricardo I- Fuller. But I was also going to say one thing that popped into mind now. Um, the kind of the opposite of the Abua one at Easter Road when he runs around the pitch doing his doing his uh, his drive by celebration as Scott referred to it as when you mentioned rival celebrations and one that I kind of I got angry at but I also kinda found it amusing when I later thought about it was someone who we don't like but Lee Griffiths I don't know if you remember he was getting abuse when he was he was uh, with Celtic at Tyne Castle. And then he scored and just ran around the side of the pitch with his thumb in the air to all the Hearts fans because <laughs> he, he was getting, he looks like a thumb. I remember shouting at him when he ran past and actually thinking, that's kind of funny, actually. <laughs> we don't like it up him or up us when it happens to us, but we like to, to give it out. Wayne Foster on the fence. I, I know it, yeah. Oh, iconic. And there's, there's loads of them. And, it's, and Scott's quite right. There's, we're trying to look for, for those beyond the iconic... Celebrations. I like ones that have got stories behind them, and, and it was just instinctive. Fozzy, Gary McKay's through ball, um, Wayne Foster nutmegging Jim Layton when Layton had his legs shut, and then onto the fence. But that was, I think, it was a Sunday, and it was the twenty-first game in a row. Um, hearts were unbeaten, so I remember I was at the game as a fan. But I remember watching it back on either sports scene or whatever the highlights that night. Someone had a key. Because it was key yeah. to the door for for twenty first. Um, I think Big Derek Johnson was was in the the studio. Maybe Doogie Donnelly as well. There was that one. Um, the Craig Beatty at Hamden is iconic. But Ryan McGowan told the good story about there was quite a few of them that were maybe a booking away from missing the cup final and thought shit. Yeah, we might, we, we might not we might not be able to leave the pitch here. And then it just took over and because they they thought if we leave the pitch, how many is it going to book or could we be one of them? I think you can and, only book the one player. Is it? You can only book the player who starts it or something. I don't yet the rule was you can book everyone. It was something Probably. like that, yeah. I was actually on the Amaruso Let's It Run YouTube channel prior to, to um today, just looking at classics and Robo Robo early doors was very much a two clenched fists up in the air or the one arm outstretched. De Vries was the kind of Alan Shearer one hand in the air, as as was John Cahoon. But the De Vries one um led me to to watch the reaction of Craig Levine when when De Vries scores his fourth, so Hart's fifth, against Hibbs in the 5-1 in August 2002. And the camera pans to Craig Levine. He just does what we all do. He has got no idea how to say He just jumps up and down like a five-year-old. It's magnificent. And he, he doesn't care, and the glasses look like they might come off. He's got the cap on as well, and it's just sheer, unadulterated joy. And it's things like that, um, that, that Hearts goals that they've scored. Scott Crabb at Celtic Park, uh, who got the first, I think John Miller got the second that day in a 2 1 win. He's just offski. He's just gone, hurdles the, the advertising boards off to the, the corner flag. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> Over here in NFL, you you get those that are already decided. They they will actually work on celebrations 
for touchdowns. I'm I'm more into the as and I'll give I'll give Crab and Sanderson a, a pass because I thought that was fantastic. And if Jimmy told a good story about that. But I'm more into the just sheer um, delight and you don't know what you're going to do. And Gowser's fourth in the cup final. His celebration was all right as well. Scott, you you quite like uh I think you described it as a sulky slash sassy celebration as well. Yeah, there's been quite a few of them. For some reason, it always seems to be aimed at the Wheatfield stand as well. So that seems to be where most players, they maybe don't receive the abuse, but it's maybe where they hear the most. Uh, so there's a few examples. There was one Darren Jackson scoring a, a lovely chip against Dundee United a few years back. Mm. And he'd obviously been getting a bit of, bit of an earful for the Wheatfield stand. And rather, I mean, it was a great goal and you think, God, you're going to be fully emotion wanting to over celebrate that he actually just starts jogging back to the area of the Wheatfield stand where he's obviously heard something and just sort of he just nonchalantly just sort of stands there while the other players are kind of celebrating round about him but there was other similar examples to that uh, Danny Granger scoring in a cup tie against Livingston yeah, in I remember 2012 that and he'd obviously been getting an earful and he actually <laughs> he's given it the sort of shush to the sort of section of the Wheatfield end that had obviously been on his back. Uh, I think there was also one with Andy Halliday maybe a year or two ago against Motherwell that was similar where he, he'd obviously been... And again, it was the Wheat... It always seems to be the Wheatfield end. Uh, Probably just one person. Scores. Yeah, <laughs> I, maybe just the same person, to be fair. Wait, where but, do you sit, Scott? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm opposite. You can't you can't, uh, you can't, throw All this right, one on me. Light you off. Uh, but there was the, there was a few players who seemed to make an art form out of being sulky when they scored. So Ian Baird always used to give it the, mm. give it up them at the home crowd, particularly in his second season because he was getting a bit of, bit of sort of dogs abuse for the home crowd at times. Uh, Jamie Hamill is probably one of the more recent examples of it, where there was the I mean St Johnston where he's booting the advertising board, uh, chinning you know, Derek Adams probably yeah. very popular these days. Exactly, and then Mikey Stewart, you know, he scores a winning penalty at Parkhead and he just sort of jogs back to the centre circle. Because, <laughs> uh, again, he wasn't happy with the abuse he'd be getting for the heart support at that time. So, there's a, yeah, there was a few like that. I think the, the, the two that I wanted to bring up, though, that they are Hearts-related because they are games against Hearts, but they actually come from the rival point of view. There was a, a derby against Hibs. We won the game 2-1 back in March 2010. We're already 2-0 up at this stage. Derek Rarder was playing for Hibs at the time. We'd been, you know, giving him quite a lot of dogs abuses. We tended to do at that time, and he scores. He scores like a, I think it's a bit of a scrappy goal uh, for close range, and he turns round to the the fans and gives it a two one. And I'm like, well, yeah, we're <laughs> we're, we're beating you two one, Derek. Like I, I couldn't couldn't quite understand it. You know, it was a very maths obviously not as strong. Yes, yes, possibly. Uh, but the other one was strange, and this is one where. It's not so much a goal celebration, but it's a celebration of a save. So we were playing away to Rangers back in 1998, and this was just before they'd signed Stefan Kloss. They had uh, Lionel Charbonnet uh, as their goalkeeper at the time. Uh, I think Advocat made him one of his first signings. So Rangers are beating us 3-0, and I think we have an effort. I think it's maybe Gary McSwiggan for about 20 yards out. And it is a decent save for Charbonnet, but all of a sudden, the French national anthem starts getting played. So rather than play a, a, a clip for a goal, the DG was playing a clip 
for the goalkeeper saving it. <laughs> and it played for about 10 seconds before we, play, it, we took the corner <laughs> kick. Now, whether that was just a one-off or whether Rangers done that for a few months whilst he was number one for them, I don't know. But that's one that's always sort of stuck in my head. Uh, I'll put it up on the website tomorrow because I'm, I'm sure I've got the clip somewhere. But Definitely the other stuff, so, I've, ne- I've never seen or heard that before. Oh, I will. I'm, I'm, sure, it, I'm sure we go beat three now. I'll be able to find the game. But the other ones were, were players who... Had a sort of trademark celebration. I think one of my favourite ones, similar to like you get those sort of people call it boring because it's pretty standard, like Alan Shearer hand in the air. Harry Kane's got a very sort of bog standard celebration that he's been doing for years. Eamon Bannon had the, the pointy finger up in the yes. air, and it didn't matter whether he was scoring a winning goal, a consolation goal, it was the same celebration, it was the same run, and he'd done that for years. That was always one of my one of my favourite memories as a child was just seeing that sort of hand in the air and the one sort of finger salute for Fame and Bannon. Uh, Callum Parson probably deserves a, a category. He's, he's, he's a own. fine repertoire of celebrations. Yeah, and he's, he's carried that on, obviously, with Cardiff and Sheffield Wednesday as well. But yeah, those were the ones. Uh, I'm sure lots of people would come up with their own ones as well. Banjo, uh, I liked his. Oh, yeah, God. He used to do that wee <laughs> flip. Always liked that one. Mm-hmm. Rudy loved to love. Rudy loved to go against the Hibs in the celebrations, and he not just tell them to keep quiet, please. He did, and but his favourite was obviously just the point of that left foot of his, which was always yes. Yeah. Till it started getting him a booking every week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So if you've got any more, um, then feel free to to let us know. You can tweet at around the funnel, or you can email podcast at scarvesaroundthefunnel.co.uk with your. Your favourite heart celebrations, be that one-offs or be that a, a series of them from certain players. You're listening to Scarves Around the Funnel, sponsored by Forrest Hepburn and McDonald Signs, who've been offering creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. We're almost at the end of this week's podcast, but before we go, we should look ahead to Hearts' next game at home to Motherwell this coming Saturday. Motherwell managed by Stuart Kettlewell, who was on radio duty uh, away at Airdrie for the Hearts Cup game yesterday at the time of recording and was getting a fair bit of abuse from the Hearts fans. Uh, Quite amusing at at times, but the thing that uh, certainly surprised myself and, and Jimmy and a few of the Hearts lads watching on was that Stuart Kettlewell was standing beside Ian Murray who uh, somehow managed to avoid the majority of the stick, albeit he did get a few songs towards the end. So, yes, they were they were getting it tight, the radio folks up behind us pre-game. But, hopefully, Motherwell will be getting it tight at Tynecastle coming on Saturday. Mark, they were beaten by Morton, 2-1 in the Cup, so a disappointing performance and result for Motherwell. But before that... They've been on a decent run of form. Six unbeaten. It looked like Stuart Kettlewell had actually started to turn things around at Fir Park. Maybe a bit more pressure on him now after that defeat. But it's a a really congested table, isn't it? You know, from Mm -hmm. sixth place Dundee to Ryan St. Johnston, you've got, what is it, just five points, I think, between those sides as things stand at the time of recording. Yeah. So there'll be a Motherwell team coming to Tynecastle looking for a result. Do you know what their last away win was? Uh, their last away win uh, would have been a while ago. Don't tell me it was was it against us. Yep. Oh God, it would have been, wouldn't it? Yep. Third of September. So they 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 know how to do it. 
That'll be well, part of the team talk because they've not won since. Look, guys, uh, this is the only home. place we can win away from home. <laughs> so we need to get a result. Exactly. Exactly. So uh, that 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 tells you they're not great on their travels, but they've, they've already won at Tyne Castle. So um, it'll not be somewhere that they'll fear because if, if I'm the coach, I'm saying, look, you've already done it. What are you, what are you frightened of? Um, Stuart Kelwell spoke a lot about hearts on Radio Scotland yesterday. He spoke about how difficult Lauren Shankland is to, to mark because he doesn't stand still and he's he's in the form of his life. So he knows they'll be underdogs, but I'm sure you'll come up with a plan. I think it'll be I think it'll be slightly tighter than maybe some people think it will be. I think Hearts will win the game, but I don't think it's a pushover. Does it fall into the Ross County category of games you should win, but maybe don't? I hope not. But yeah, the, if it's the five nil Motherwell team that show up then they'll be tough opponents. If it's the two undefeated Morton team that show up and just think they can turn up and get the win and go through to the next round, I don't think it will be. But I don't think... The 5-0 against Ross County, we're not going to see them... I mean, was it Blair Spittle in the middle of the park? Jesus, he was playing like Jude Bellingham. An unbelievable performance. They should be worrying about us, though. Hearts win, but 2-1. Oh, we're going with predictions already, are we? I was... Going to get Scott's thoughts first. Hearts um, against Motherwell, but Motherwell do play Aberdeen at Petaudry on Valentine's evening. First, what do you think about this one, Scott? You know, we're ten wins and one draw from our last eleven games. Full of confidence. This has got to be one. It's got to be a stick on, isn't it, for the men in maroon? I mean, I mean, the, the good thing about you know looking forward to games just now is because our form's been so good we should go into games knowing that if we can handle the game well from our end, that we should be able to win the majority of our fixtures just now. It'll be interesting to see how Motherwell react to the, the cup defeat against Aberdeen on Wednesday. They were really toothless against Morton. It wasn't, you know, Morton weren't lucky to win. Uh, Morton fully deserved that win and Motherwell were really second best all over the park. So it'll be interesting to see if some of the guys who are benched for that game come back in against Aberdeen, Andy Halliday being one of them. Although I'm not quite, I mean, he is on loan from us. He won't play on Saturday, will he? Because it's, is it a loan and then it's a permanent in the summer? Is that right? Or was the deal just ripped up and he was allowed to sign? Because that'll, that'll pretty much dictate if he's able to be selected, right? Yeah. Well, he is, he is officially on. Tapping away. He is officially on loan. I just I don't um, I don't know if it was ever clarified. If it, but usually, yeah, the deals usually in the UK when it's a loan deal is they don't play. Yeah, you can't play. Club. Yep. So yeah. I'd imagine he wouldn't. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how how they set up. They've got Lennon Miller back in the team, but he's obviously been out with a bit of an injury, so he's a bit ring rusty as well. Motherwell are an, you know, they're a hard team to try and gauge. They've got players who can come up with little purple patches of form. You know, Blair Spittle, Phil Bear have been in form recently, but you know it's it's only going to last so long. Uh, you know, th there's a reason why they you know, they find themselves playing for Motherwell at that stage of their career, and it's because they are, they're hugely inconsistent. So it's sometimes hard to determine what you're going to get out of these sort of tripe fixtures. Again, if we do what we need to do, we should be fine. I think fans are going to have to get used to us maybe conceding a few more opportunities to teams now that we've reverted back to the back four. So I think you're now going to see probably fewer clean sheets from Hearts teams over the coming weeks if we stick with this formation. But 
the benefit and the huge benefit is going to be that I think you're going to see a bit more expansive football and you're going to see a bit more from us going forward as well. And you've seen that not just by the number of goals we've scored over the last month, but the number of different goal scorers as well. We're not having to rely as heavily on Lauren Shackland as we were sort of prior to the uh, to the the winter break. So I'm confident we can get a result, but I think similar to Mark, I don't think it's going to be easy and it, it could just be against small margins and a and a one goal victory for us. So Mark's going two one. Who who's your goal scorer for this one, Mark? Strangland. Okay. Bit of a cheat, Why? isn't it? But, eh, oh, it's come fine. on. It's fine. It's fine. It's two one with Shankland. Scott. I'm gonna say Yeah, I'm gonna go two one as well. I'm gonna say George Grant. Okay. Two one and Grant. I'm I'm gonna go with a slightly you're, more. You're gonna you're gonna say hearts are thump thumping mother, aren't you? No, I I was I was I was thinking about three 0 but I but I know what you're saying and I think Theo Bears looked a bit dangerous this season they've, they've scored a few him. goals of late and if we do play that 4-2-3-1 we might give up some chances so I'm going to give them a goal I'm going to say 3-1 hearts but I'm going to give birthday boy on Saturday Callum Newenhoff another goal because I, I, I like to try and find some kind of meaning we've spoken about 3-1 hearts winning against Motherwell earlier with Ricardo Fuller scoring so Callum Newenhoff is going to score um, it's going to be his birthday like it was that young lad's birthday that Fuller celebrated for so if Callum Newenhoff can somehow for me celebrate by throwing a bowling ball when he scores against Motherwell that would be most appreciated 3-1 mm. that's about it for this week thank you both it'll be good to come mm. on talk about two victories it'll have to come to the end at some point but we'll we'll we'll, we'll try and um, call Canny as Mark says when the run does eventually come to an end whether that's this weekend or or whether it's the following weekend when we go to Ibrox, that'll be that'll be interesting. Can we spark the three horse title race? Who knows? We'll wait until next week to see how um, dramatic we might be about that one. Until then, thank you for tuning in. As I mentioned earlier, you can get in touch with us on the usual channels at Around the Funnel on Twitter or by email podcast at scarvesaroundthefunnel.co.uk. Till next time, bye bye. She's electric. She's in a fire.